Has anyone here ever seen an angel? And I'm not talking about my wife. No. An angelic visitation is not a normal human experience. And yet Mary comes face to face with an angel. And what does the angel say? Do not be afraid. In the Bible, angels always say, do not be afraid. Because angels in the Bible are not like angels you might see on TV with uh, fluffy wings and white dresses that look like they're going to a three-year-old's dress-up party. Uh, for example, Larry, stand up for us. Just come up on stage quickly. Larry does not need to say, do not be afraid, right? <laughs> but real angels, real angels in the Bible are awesome heavenly beings that dwell in the presence of God and are God's messengers. When, when anyone comes into the presence of an angel in the Bible, they fall on their face petrified. And we read that Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words. Now, I would be greatly troubled if a messenger of God came down right now in front of me. My first thought would be, uh-oh, what have I done? Right? What would yours be? During this time in history, Jewish girls were pledged to be married to their uh, future husbands, like being engaged. They were pledged around the age of 12 years old as young as 12 years old. And scholars believe that Mary would probably have been somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16 when she gave birth to her baby son. In our culture, that is a shockingly young age to have a baby, right? In Australia today, uh, girls of that age are not thinking about getting married or having a baby. That's a world away. Uh, their world is more Instagram and Stranger Things. But for Mary, something stranger than Stranger Things is about to happen. Firstly, she's come face to face with an angel. Secondly, she's about to give birth to God in the flesh. Put yourself in 12-year-old Mary's shoes. And yet she says, let it be as you have said. What great faith we can take our example from Mary. Now, the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, I, I wouldn't blame Mary if she was thinking right then, hmm, I've done sex ed at school and no, we didn't learn that virgins can have babies, right? I think I would have got an F if I'd written that in my exam. She's thinking, how is this going to work? You see, this divine conception in the womb of Mary is the most astonishing miracle in the history of the world. The infinite becomes an infant. The creator of the universe is born in a cradle. The one who made every cell in your body, the one who made every cell in the cosmos, himself became a microscopic cluster of cells and implanted himself in the womb of Mary. When Mary kissed the face of her baby boy, she was kissing the very face of God. Now, the virgin birth is frequently attacked by modern skeptics. I mean, should any girl today claim that her pregnancy was due to divine intervention? We would be skeptical, wouldn't we? Uh, she would be laughed out of town. But if God can create the universe with two trillion galaxies at last count, each galaxy with a hundred 
billion stars in it. More stars in the universe than grains of sand on our planet. If he can do that, he can manage a virgin birth, don't you think? And more important than how he did it is why he did it. Why did God condescend and take on a human nature and come to us in a cradle? Well, in the New York Times, uh, there was an article a few years ago which read, read like this. The meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and if we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. In other words, we can dispel the darkness from our world. We can overcome injustice and poverty and violence and evil. Well, nothing can be further from the truth. The meaning of Christmas is the exact opposite. The meaning of Christmas is that things are bad and we cannot save ourselves. We cannot create unity and peace. Have a look around. We cannot create unity and peace. We are the problem. We need help from the outside. We need a saviour and God has provided one that very first Christmas and that saviour was himself. You see, if our, biggest, if our greatest need was health, then God would have sent us a doctor. If our greatest need was money, he would have sent us an economist that could keep interest rates down. If our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian. But our greatest need is forgiveness. We all need forgiveness from God for our sins, and so he sent us a saviour. And so the saviour had to be God himself because there was no one else who was qualified. And so there had to be a virgin birth. Humanity sinned, so humanity should pay the penalty for sin, but only God could pay for the, set, the, the sins of the whole world. The could and the should can only come together in God becoming a man. And so God's plan for you and for me, God's plan for the world was cradle, cross, crown. The creator was born in a cradle. He lived the perfect, obedient life. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day, crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. He now rules in heaven. He reigns. One day he will return to judge and take those who are his to be with him. How can you be one of his? How can you be one of his? You put your faith in Jesus the Savior. You live with Jesus as your king doesn't matter how badly you've messed up in life it doesn't matter if you've been on the paid staff of hell it doesn't matter if your life would leave a black mark on a piece of coal it doesn't matter what deep dark secrets are in your past if you come to the savior today and ask for forgiveness you will be saved you live with him as the king you'll be one of his that was the announcement 2,000 years ago and that is the announcement today how will you respond? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christmas. That even though we could not save ourselves, you sent a saviour, yourself. And I pray, Lord God, that we would live with you as our king. We would trust in you as our saviour. In Jesus' name, amen.